Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, that's right. Give him a hand of praise again in this place. If you believe it. <laughs> I mean, if you believe it, that's what it's all about. Do we believe what God says? And man, what a an amazing time we've already experienced here this morning because God is here with us, his presence, his power, his life, his love, everything. And uh, if you would go ahead and grab your handout and on one side of that is a prayer request uh, space that you can uh, let us know what's going on and how we can pray with you and for you. On the other side, if you're uh, with us for the first time or the second time, and uh, we, we just would like to have a little information about who you are, not that we're going to hound you or harass you, but we just want to let you know we're here. We love you were available and and uh, if you don't have a church home man you found your church home here at connection so what do we believe today we're in the second part of our new year's study which is also our new year's theme called renew and we're, we're focusing right now on renewing our minds and and kind of title this mind games the book of romans chapter 12 verse 2 tells us this not to be conformed to the pattern of this world In other words, don't blend in to the world around you. Don't give in. Don't do what everybody else is doing. Do not allow yourself to be shaped in the mold of the world around us. And the reason why that is because the world and its culture and its ways and its beliefs and its viewpoints are totally contrary to the ways and viewpoints and and culture of, of God and his kingdom. So it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Would you write that word somewhere on your outline, the word transformed? Because I believe that this is where so many people miss it when it comes to walking with Christ in faith, to to picking up our cross and following him, to literally giving ourselves to discipleship to God, to surrendering all of our lives is because so many don't ever cross the line and become truly transformed. They may pray a prayer, they may buy them a Bible, they may have their name embossed in the front of the Bible and it looks really nice and neat and really, really Christian-like. But inside, they are never truly transformed. And what that literally means is what it says, that we we no longer are our old selves. But the old self, the old man and its sinful ways and its sinful desires is, is literally put to death. And the new man is resurrected in its place. We become like Christ because that is the goal, to become like Christ. So we are to not conform to the pattern of this world. We are to be transformed. And how are we transformed? Well, the next line says it, by the renewing of our hands. What? It's not our hands. Our hands don't become, our our feet. No, no, the Bible says by the renewing of our minds, the way we think, the the, the heartbeat of who we are, this little six-inch space between the ears, and some of you got kind of a bigger head, so yours might be closer to seven or eight inches. I don't know, but, but I'm not going to go there this morning. But that's how we are transformed, by our minds becoming renewed. And so we're going to talk about that today because I want you to know, if you haven't already figured it out, you need to wake up to the reality that you have an enemy. And he is literally hell-bent on messing with your head every single day. And that's exactly how he deceived Eve in the garden, the very first people that God created and put on this earth. He came to her one day and he started messing with her mind by saying, did God really say 
you weren't supposed to eat of that tree? Come on now, think about what he actually said. I don't really think he meant that. So I really believe that everything's okay for you and your, your wonderful husband, Adam, to partake of. And so go ahead and, and take that fruit. And that's exactly how it starts. His crafty and cunning mind games are designed to undermine our beliefs, to rattle our faith, to get us off course, and to literally destroy our lives. But I want you to hear me and hear me well right now. You can beat him. Amen? You have the victory. You have the authority. You have the power. You have all of heaven on your side if you'll get a hold of what we're talking about this morning and literally allow God through the power of the Holy Spirit and his word come in and transform you by renewing your mind. A buddy of mine said a lot of years ago, Rob, we got to get rid of the stinking thinking. Doesn't that make sense? Those contrary thoughts that hit us and bombard us every single day. So today we're going to walk through the importance of winning the warfare for our minds. And I want to look at a biblical account, account of a giant in the faith that we would consider that had a lapse in his mental warfare and struggled for just a little while. His, his, his account is found in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read them for you very quickly. Now Ahab, the king, told his wife Jezebel everything. Elijah had done and how he had killed all the false prophets of Baal with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say this, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. This is what you would call a death threat. She wasn't playing games. She was ticked off because Elijah and and the one true living God had messed up some of her big plans And in the showdown on Mount Carmel, everything went against her. And so she heard about that. And she's coming after Elijah now. And verse 3 tells us what this mighty man of God, this great prophet of God, responds like. Are you ready? Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. What? He just had a showdown. Are you serious? And so when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And this is isolation right here. Some of you have, have dealt with that. Some of you try that. Some of you look to escape from everything that's piling up on your life and it's bombarding your mind. So he goes into the wilderness, a day's journey all by himself. He came to a broom bush and he sat down under it and he prayed a prayer. You want to hear this prayer? Anybody want to hear this prayer? Yeah, I've got one over here. I'm just kidding. Here's his prayer. Get this. He sat down and he prayed that he might die. Don't pray that prayer. Just just a little forewarning. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Man, here's a man that's losing the battle in his mind. Here's a man that's struggling so much that he's actually asking God, go ahead and whoop, take me out of here. I don't want to stay here any longer. If she's coming after me, if all this stuff's stacking against me, 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 take me. Now, whether you realize it or not, you are in a battle. And the moment you gave your heart, if you've made that decision to the Lord Jesus Christ to follow him, here's what happened. You ticked the devil off. Otherwise, you're just, you're just fine. He's, he's glad the way you're living. He's okay with that. He's going to kind of leave you alone. And the primary place that this battle takes place is in our minds. There's this battle raging on between good and evil, right and wrong, God and the devil. And our mind is the battleground, and the choice is ours. And what I mean by that is simply this. Whose report will you believe? Because the devil 
Here's what he wants you to do. First thing on your outline, he wants you to entertain thoughts that are not of God. Man, isn't that something? To, to let those thoughts that are contrary to God's ways stay in your mind. Elijah entertained those thoughts that weren't of God. And even though he knew that he had nothing to fear because of all the great battles he had watched and been a part of as God brought victory after victory, he allowed the thoughts from the, the enemy to enter his mind. And what was the result? Well, the result was simply he wanted to end his life. Now, here's something. While, while Satan cannot read your mind, he can try to influence our thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 teaches us to cast down every vain imagination that comes against the thoughts of God. It says, when your mind is filled with anger, bitterness, fear, worry, confusion, your spiritual growth is stunted. You've got to take captive those contrary thoughts and cast those things down. In other words, throw out the garbage, right? How many of you have taken the garbage out this week a couple of times already at your house? And you, you, your garbage is kind of overflowing and you really need to take it out. So the first thing you do when you get home today is take out that trash. How many of you are like my kids and just try to stuff it down and just keep stuffing it so they don't have to take it out. And, and it's, it's about to overflow, but they just jump on top of that thing and try to go down in the trash can and compact it even more to the, to the can itself. Those plastic cans are just growing and growing and growing. And one day I'm going to laugh because all that's going to explode and going to knock them through the ceiling. And that's going to be a hoot, man. I'm telling you. Okay, that's a whole different subject. But what we need to do is take those garbage thoughts that the enemy tries to sow into our minds, grab a hold of them, and like a piece of paper, like a piece of trash, just wad it up and say, you don't belong here. Are you coming after me? (laughs) You don't belong here. Get out of my mind. Get out of my life. You have no authority here is what the word tells us. He has no place inside the life of a believer. So when we know he's coming at us, don't give him any room. Don't entertain those thoughts. Don't let them take up residence or dwell there. Secondly, he also wants you to believe things that are not true. He wants you to entertain those thoughts and he wants you to start believing them. The Bible tells us clearly that Satan is a liar and he is the father of lies. So he's the one that invented those things. He's, he is a liar himself. There is no truth in him. In the previous chapter, 1 Kings 18, we read that Elijah had just finished this huge victory, as I mentioned a moment ago, over the prophets and the false gods of Baal and the prophets and false gods of Asherah. And the devil played mind games with him to bring his spirit down and try to derail and destroy him in his work for God's great kingdom. And guess what? His tactics have not changed. Here in January of 2019, the enemy uses the exact same thing on all of us who will allow him to do so. And then when we allow those thoughts to to come in and we begin believing those things discouragement and depression are going to take up residence in our lives i'm just going to ask this question i don't want you to answer it's just for you to think about but are you dealing with discouragement right now maybe you're wallowing in this place of depression in your life i just want to offer to you right now that quite possibly it it could be because you're believing the lies of the enemy. You're believing all the junk that he's trying to sell you and you're thinking it's valid and you're giving it a place in your life. And here's what happens once we entertain the thoughts and once we begin to believe them, then the the next thing on your outline, uh, letter C there, is that we begin to do things that are not right. And that's the cycle completed right there. 
It begins as a thought. We give it place and we begin to believe it next. And then the next thing you know, we're actually doing those things. We're carrying those things out. Here's a powerful principle. Everything you do in life begins in your mind. Everything. Literally. You're sitting on the couch. You're watching the ball game. Everything's hunky and dory. You're happy as a lark and, and good things are happening except all of a sudden you, you, you have a rumble in your stomach and your mind thinks, I'm going to go to the kitchen and I'm going to grab me some Doritos and I might grab the Oreos while I'm in there and I've got to have a sundrop to wash it down. So all of a sudden that thought clicks in your mind, I want to get a snack and then the next thing you know, you're believing yourself, Right? I do want to get a snack. I am kind of hungry. You know, lunch is kind of worn off now. And, and man, a little pack of Doritos and, and, and Oreos would be really good. And maybe some ice cream after that. Who's, I'm just going for it, right? Forget the January resolution. The heck with losing weight, man. I am eating healthy. I'm eating Doritos, Oreos, and ice cream. And then the, you find yourself all of a sudden in your kitchen doing what? Getting the Doritos, getting the Oreos. Fixing yourself an ice cold sun drop. And eyeballing that ice cream in the freezer going, you're next. You are coming out of that freezer and into my belly. Next. Everything literally starts in our minds. You ever heard of the destiny principle? It goes like this. If you haven't, and if you have, here's a reminder. Sow a thought, rip an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a lifestyle. Sow a lifestyle, reap a what? A destiny powerful stuff and it starts right here Elijah did what the enemy wanted him to do look at me church he lost heart he lost focus he forget he forgot what God had said and who God is and he was at a place and hear me because some of you may be right there if not somebody you know and love and care about may be right there here's what happens next he gave up can't do it, God. Just take my life. I'm done. It's amazing how many people get to that point and actually follow through with it. Thankfully, he didn't do anything to take himself out. And God, God the whole time is on the throne going, Elijah, son, my son whom I love, I'm not through with you. I'm going to revive your spirit. I'm going to renew your mind. I'm going to help you get that junk, that garbage out of your mind. And I'm going to replace it and remind you with who I am and what I can do in you and through you if you will not give up and throw in the towel. And the same God who loves Elijah and spoke that to his heart and revived him and renewed him is here today to do that with every one of us. Because I'm going to tell you something. You can look at Brother Smith across the, the room and Sister Susie across the room and, 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 and everybody else in here. And you can think to yourself because the enemy wants you to think like this, man. I wish I was like them. They've got it all together. They have no issues, no struggles, no battles. But me, I battle all the time because I'm not good enough. And, and, and I, I'll never measure up. And I have no talents. And I can't get up and sing. And I can't pass an offering plate. And I can't say hello to people as they're coming through the door. And I can't teach children. And, and I'm so terrible. And nothing I do ever, ever works out. And on and on and on. And before you know it, man, you're convinced that you're far short and you'll never get there. But the same God who saw right where Elijah was in the midst of his terrible struggle is the same God that's here right now and sees you right where you're at and says, hold on. Before you give up completely, 
Hold on just a moment. This kind of reminds me of the children of Israel when they were on the verge of going into the promised land. How many of you remember that story? God brought them out of Egyptians' bondage, out of that torture, and he spoke to them these words, I have a destiny for you. I have a destiny for you. You are my people and I love you. You are the apple of my eye and I'm going to take you out of this captivity. And I'm going to lead you to this place called the promised land. That I have, and here's what he told them, and hear this this morning, that I have prepared for you. Now what does that tell you? It tells me it's mine. He's prepared that for me. He's worked on that for me. He's handcrafted and designed it and created that so that I could go in and I could live there and I could dwell there and that place would be mine. It's like if I came up to you and said, I'm building you a house. How many of you would be excited about that? You'd be excited until you realize I'm not real good at building houses, but you know, you'd still be like, man, that's pretty awesome. And I would tell you, I'm preparing that for you. And as soon as it's complete, as soon as we get that thing roughed in and, and we get it finished up and the drywall's on and, and the finishing touches there, the, the finishing floor, and, and we've got all the light fixtures in and the fans and, and everything and all the final coats of paint and that beautiful hardwood floor is stained and ready and, and, and the HVAC system's ready to go because you don't want to be cold, you don't want to be hot and all that stuff and everything's done, then I say, it's yours, come and get it. That's literally what God had spoken to his people. He said, the land that I have promised in you is yours. It's going to be be there waiting for you. All you have to do is go and get it. And I'm even going to make the way for you. When you come to to the edge of the water, I'm going to push the waters back so you can cross on dry land with the Egyptian army at your tail. And they will not catch you. They will be destroyed when they try to follow you. And all this took place and they got to the edge of the promised land. They were there. The the key was in their hand, literally. All they had to do was click, open the door, go in. But they came up with this bright idea. We're going to, we're going to go check it out first. So there's 12 tribes of Israel. They they picked 12 spies, a a man from each each tribe. And they said, these 12 men are going to go into Jericho, the promised land. And they're going to, they're going to check it out and scope it out and investigate and make sure that everything's good for us to go in. And 10 of those men went in there, 12 of those men went in there and they spent some time in there and they secretly looked and viewed and, 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 and checked out what was going on. And then when they finished their exploratory adventure, they came back to the, to the people of Israel. And Moses said, well, what did you find? And here's what they said. 10 of them quickly stepped forward and said, we can't do it. And the reason why is because the inhabitants of that land, they're like giants. In our sight, we look like grasshoppers compared to them. How dare we think we can go in there and stand against these mighty men and and, and dare take them out and, and dare possess the land. They will annihilate us. It's impossible. Let's turn back. Ten of them. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, had heard enough. And they said, Ben, should have said, boys, step back. Because you're not a man if you don't have any faith. So you, you step back and let us speak now. And they step forward and said, we are more than able to overcome them. We are more than able to go in and overtake the land. That land is ours. And the reason why is because 
It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We have God on our side. He has already promised us that the land is ours. Why are we going to back away now? Why are we going to cower in fear now? Two men of 12 had great faith and said, let's go in and take what God has promised us. And here's what it all boils down to. The children of Israel heard the testimonies of the spies and chose to believe the 10 that said it couldn't be done. And they drifted in the wilderness for 40 years, never going in and possessing their promised land. And they died in the wilderness. All of them except for two. <laughs> Who were they? Joshua. Okay, preach it, Jesse. I love this man. He's with me every week, preaching with me. Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says they were the two that went in with the next generation of Israelites who grew up and said, despite what our forefathers said, despite what our parents and our grandparents did, we're going to rise up and we're going to believe the one true living God. And we're going to mount up and we're going to go in with Joshua and Caleb. Caleb said this. He said, I am 85 years old. Right now, I am an old man in today's terminology. But nevertheless, guess what? I'm going to go in and I'm going to get my mountain that I saw 40 years ago. And nobody's going to stop me now. We're going in and taking the land. These two men believed and guess what? They entered into the promise that God had spoken to them. The question is, whose report will you believe? His report says good. The enemy's report is going to always say bad. The decision lies in our hand. Who do we believe about our lives? About our now, right now? About our future? Do we believe the promises of God or do we, do we buy the lies of the devil and just let him have his way in our lives? Man, that is, that is something. Before we look down on Elijah and the children of Israel and get all puffed up saying, man, we're doing pretty good, just remember, we've all allowed the devil to live rent-free in our heads too many times. Isn't that right? He has no business at all in there, but we've all allowed it too often. This is the major struggle for so many, and we desperately need God's help. And the good news is there is lots of help because God always comes to the rescue. The last few things I put on your outline are simply how we overcome the mind games the enemy tries to mess us up with. And the first thing is simply this. Don't give the devil a foothold. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on uh, your, your wrath while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now, I looked that up because I wanted to be sure of the definition that I was going to share with you at this, at this juncture. And that word foothold, foothold simply means this, a secure position from which further progress may be made. And, and, and the example they use is, is a mountain climber or, or someone who likes to scale and climb, you know, cliffs and rocks. And, and, and they're doing their best to, to, to shimmy up that thing, that very steep and sheer cliff. And, and, and they're, they're grabbing a hold of any little crack and crevice they can with, with their fingers. And, and, and they're getting position and, and, and they find something with their foot the best they can. And when they find that little ledge, then they have a place to make further progress. And if Pastor Scott was up here, he could explain this a whole lot better than I can because this is what he used to do quite often. Thank God he's still alive to tell the tales. 
and you find that little foothold and you're able to, to push up and make progress up the, the mountain. And that's exactly what this is. And, and the Bible's telling us, do not give Satan any little foothold. Don't give him any position at all to make further progress in his quest to destroy you. Does that make sense to you? It makes perfect sense to me. So we've got to not allow anything that he has to set up shop, to take, take place in our lives and, and make a home there. Any contrary thought comes in. It, when that happens, take that thought captive as the word tells us to do and throw it out. Next, we've got to pursue God's plan for our lives. We've got to move forward. Elijah finally recognized that the devil was playing mind games with him. So he had a change of heart. God brought renewal to his mind, to his heart, and to his life. And from that point on, no longer did he dwell in depression, but God continued to use Elijah with miracle after miracle flowing in and through his life. He was an overcomer. He overcame the mind games of the enemy, and so can we. Elijah continued in the plan that God had for his life. There was a time in mine, I I was about to throw mine away. My world had caved in and Everything falling apart. And I just looked up at God and I was like, really? This is what I get after 19 and a half years of faithful service to you? <laughs> Isn't it funny how we just try to puff ourselves up a little bit and give our pedigree and list out our accomplishments? And Are you serious, God? You're going to allow this to happen? Well, this is the way you treat your... your your workers and forget it, I'm done. And he lovingly reminded me, I have not changed my mind about you and the plans I have for you. Don't quit on me. Don't give up. Don't let the temporary challenges stop your destiny from taking place. And I'm going to tell you, it wasn't an easy, oh, okay, God, thanks for the reminder. You're right, I'm sorry. It was a, it was a wrestling match. It was a battle. It was a back and forth. God, I, you know, still, I, I just don't get it. And I kind of feel like that's where Elijah was. But guess what? We will win if we don't give up and quit completely. If we press through the challenges, the tough times, the hard seasons, if we understand what is truth, then we can't lose. The next encouragement I ask you to make a practice in your life is to pray and ask God to guard and direct your mind. It's true that our mind is a place of intellect, reasoning, and intentions. Our behavior begins in our minds, and our, our mind is where spiritual transformation happens. The object of our regular thinking will determine how our days, our years, and ultimately how our life plays out. Everything starts in the mind again. And too often, maybe, maybe simply, we, we don't bother to ask the Lord protection. How many of you make it a daily habit to say, God, cover me today, protect me, and, and, and not just physically, protect my mind, protect, protect my eyes, don't let me look at things that aren't pleasing to you, don't let me think thoughts that, that aren't right before you. God, just cover me with your protective hand. What about direction? 
Lord, guide my footsteps today. Let me follow your plan. Let me walk your pathway. God, I don't want to take a misstep. You know, following Christ, and I, I'm, I'm a simple kind of guy, and I'm a simple preacher. So you say, yep, we've noticed that. It's okay. And when I hear, when I hear the, the, the scriptures that say, come and follow me, sell all you have, and come and follow me, as Jesus challenged multiple people, and, and, and leave that lifestyle, and come and follow me, drop those fishing nets, and come and follow me. Here's what I get. I get this. Terry, if you would help me, if you stand up, and, and if you would just walk in front of me, and just keep walking. Is this not deep right here? When I hear Jesus say, follow me, this is what I, I picture and this is what I want to do. Okay, you can stop right there. i got to stay up this area. I just want to follow him. I want to watch where he goes. I want to keep my eyes glued on him. And I, I want to step as he steps. And I want to I uh, miss the things that he misses. And I want to I go down the, the, the left pathway if that's where he's, he's guiding. And, and I want to take the, the right turn if that's where he's guiding. I just simply want to follow Christ. And so I ask him, God, direct my steps today. Give me those divine appointments that you have for me, God. Lead me in the way of righteousness today, Lord. I don't want to miss a thing, God, because you are the only one who can truly guide my life in the right way. I've tried it on my own. It never works out good. How often do we pray for God to direct our, our steps our, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. That's what the Bible tells us. So with a simple prayer, we could ask Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep my mind firmly set where you want it to be focused today. Keep my feet on the right pathway, God. Pray that prayer. Make that a regular daily discipline in your life. Next, recognize the source of self-focused and self-defeating thoughts. Given that our behavior begins in our mind and our mind is where spiritual transformation happens, is it any surprise that the adversary wants to mess with our thinking? Wants to try to play those mind games and derail us. It's his favorite and really his only attack to attempt to distract and disarm Christians. And it usually works, unfortunately, too many times. Someone said years ago that the devil cannot make us do anything. Now, I'm going to really show my age here, but how many of you remember the, the comedian Flip Wilson? Oh, wow. You're showing your age too. And remember, he would do something, and uh, his deal was, he's like, the devil made me do it. You remember that, that catchphrase he had? The devil can't make us do anything. Here's the reality of that. He can only suggest. That's all he can do. And boy, he does that quite often. Take something that's not yours. Say something you shouldn't say. Lust after something you shouldn't, shouldn't be doing. That's the kind of things that he will suggest. One of the greatest strategies of war is to know your enemy, right? Understand their tactics and strategies. Know that, that they like to attack this way. They, they think this way. Do your best to know your enemy. Well, here's what I want to remind you of about our enemy he is a liar, and again, he's the father of lies. And along with that, we must know our God and know that he is truth. And the Bible says that when we know the truth, that the truth will do what? Set us free. So when the enemy comes with his lies, we know the truth about who God is and what he has spoken over our lives and what he has for our life. And when we go to that truth and come against the enemy, we can put him in his place and run him out of our lives. In that moment, because the Bible says, resist the devil and he will do what? 
stick around and throw a party? Buy you a sandwich and hang out with you? No, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I know who the enemy is. And listen to me, I know the only one who can defeat him. And that is my God. And I love what Romans 16, 19 says. It says, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Folks, we have the authority. We have God in us. God with us. God for us. How can we lose? And yet too often we do lose. Next thing on your outline very quickly as we we move to a finish is replace self Focused thinking with a God-focused mindset. After praying for the Lord to protect our mind and recognize an enemy, we've got a choice. Am I going to train my brain to concentrate on the things of God, or will I let it be consumed by the things of this world? What kind of diet are you on right now? And I'm not talking about your physical food. I'm talking about your spirit, man. What are you eating? What are you, you ingesting? What are you partaking of? Are you in your word? Are you praying? Are you listening to worship music and songs? And, 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 and are you building yourself up by, by hanging out with brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to encourage you to be a man or woman of God as iron sharpens iron? How are you feeding yourself? What is your diet? Because I'm going to tell you something. Whatever we feed on, that's what we become. If we feed on junk food, man, we we. We get in bad shape. Our, our, our body deteriorates. It begins to break down because we're not getting the nutrients that we need. Same is true spiritually. If we're feeding on junk food, the, the junk of this world, then our spirit man is going to be depleted, be weakened, and there's not going to be transformation. We're going to be conformed to this world and its ways. Listen, you've got to focus your mind on God, and that requires some work just doesn't come natural. You've got to take purposeful action to set your mind on Christ. When we do that, we're allowing our mind to go, go to that place that he desires. We're, we're, we're connecting with him powerfully. But when we don't train our minds, train our brains to be God-focused, guess what happens? Our, our, our brain goes all over the place. And I mean, it goes to some bad places. How many of you know what that's all about? It's not good. Listen, I know myself. So even when I'm fully confident of God's love and care, I've still got to decide what I will and I will not think about. Listen to these three verses very quickly, these three passages, Colossians 3, 1 through 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above and not on the things that are on this earth. How powerful is that? Think God thoughts, think thoughts of heaven. What about Romans 8, 5? For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit of God set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And then finally, I love Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I was going to do a video this week and it just never, never happened. But I was going to start it out by saying, what are you thinking? You ever heard that before in that kind of not, not so good way of maybe your parents have said it to you in that tone before. Or possibly your spouse has said it to you, but might've said it to you yesterday. I, I might've said it to you this morning. I don't know. But what are we thinking? 
What is on our minds? What reports are we believing? What are we buying into? What are we dwelling on? What are we meditating on? What are we, we allowing to take up residence in our minds? Number six, rest in the truth that you are accepted in Christ Jesus. You're accepted. First Peter 1.5 says to us that through faith in Jesus Christ, we are at peace with God. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are free from accusation because the Romans 8, 1 tells us there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. In Christ, we are children of God and heirs along with Jesus. Uh, Romans 8, 16 and 17 says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So not only is Christ our, our Savior, not only is our Lord, but he's our big brother, right? How many of you love having Jesus as a brother? I mean, that is an awesome thought. We are part of the family of God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And that being the case, then Jesus is our brother. That's what, what the Word tells us. So know who you are. And look at me right now. All across this room and out there, check this out. When the enemy comes at you and tries to tell you you're nobody, you're nothing, you'll never amount to anything. When he tries to sell you that truckload of lies that he loves to come driving up with, guess what? Put him in his place. But if you don't know the word, if you don't know the truth, that you are God's child and that you are Jesus' brother or sister, then guess what? You're going to be apt to fall for the lies and believe what he's speaking to you. Stop that. You belong to God through Christ when you surrender your life to him. Don't buy the lies of the enemy. Lastly today is simply this. Repeat these disciplines daily. Repeat these steps daily. Do these things every day. Because I'm telling you, he'll keep coming back and knocking at your door. He'll keep coming back and trying to sell you that, that, that lie again. The next time you feel inferior, like a failure, unloved, ignored, question your ability or Christianity, your faith, I pray you learn to think the God thoughts and take those destructive thoughts captive and, and throw them out. God doesn't condemn us. He loves us. He convicts us. When we're off track, he says, hey, 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 that's not who you are. Don't you love that? As a part of the family of God, he looks at us and he says, that's not who you are. You belong to me. You're mine. Would you just close your eyes for a moment with me this morning? Here's what I want you to know overall. Victory is yours for the taking. It's yours. It belongs to you. God has ensured that. He's made that possible. He's given us everything we need to walk victoriously. But I ask you this. Is your mind being transformed? Are you being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you thinking God's thoughts? Or are you allowing the poison of this world 
to continue to contaminate your life. If you're in this room, you say, you know what, Pastor? I clearly understand right now, without a doubt, that Jesus loves me, that he gave his life for me, that I am somebody, I matter because God created me and sent his son to rescue me. I believe that was possible for a lot of other folks or for just about everybody else, but I didn't believe it about my life. But I tell you today, I clearly understand and believe that. If that's you in this room or outside of this room right now, would you just raise your hand up, those of you in this room especially, and say, Pastor, I needed that today. I I needed to know that Jesus came for me, that he loves me, that God created me in his image, and and I matter to him, and I'm I'm his. Would you just slip your hand up? Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else that joined these? Thank you, ma'am. Yes. Who else says that that's my life? Yes, sir. I see your hand. Yes. And maybe you're in here this morning. You say, you know what? I have struggled tremendously. In my thought life, I, I, I want to believe God. I want to trust God. I want to know Him. I want to be transformed. But, but I keep buying the lies that the enemy brings. Time and time again, I fall for it. But today, that stops. Who in this room would say, Pastor, pray for me today. I make my stand today. I choose truth. Today, I believe the report of God. Today, I I believe his thoughts and his plans about my life. Would you just raise your hands up and say, that's me all across this room. That's me. That's me. That's me. No longer will I fall for that. Yes, 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 yes. How many others? Just lift your hands up. Yes, yes. Man, what what an amazing thing to have happen. And I believe there's more than you, 12 or so or 13 that raised your hands just now. I believe some of you are battling even now that, that God's telling you, this is who I am. This is what I have for you. And the enemy's still, still trying to knock you down and say, don't, don't do it. Don't make that, that stance today. He's not really talking to you. Yes, God's talking to you. I'm not necessarily talking, but God is here to speak truth over into your life. How many others would just say, yep, he's not going to win today. Just slip your hand up. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Here's what I want to ask. As we begin to just worship the Lord again, I want to invite all of you that raise your hand. Maybe you didn't, but, but God's pushing you right now. The Holy Spirit's calling you and saying, I'm speaking to you. I have something for your life. Would you just come and meet me right here? Me and Pastor Scott, Pastor Joseph, Terry, all of us, anybody, the number of other folks in this church, we want to pray with you and for you. Would you come now and begin to just take that step, everybody across this room. If you raise your hands, would you come now and, and allow us to pray with you as we we see God do some great things today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just come on. Come on all across this room. Don't hesitate. This is your day. This is your time. This is your moment. Thank you for taking that step this morning. God is here for you. The Holy Spirit's going to do a transforming work in your life right now as you as you surrender, as you obey, as you come, as you make your way down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How many others? Yes. Yes. Thank you. If you want somebody to walk down with you, I'm sure your, your friend, your family member, or somebody that don't even know you, a lot of people here that love you, and they'll come, and they'll be with you, and rally around you, and surround you. I want to ask everybody else to stay to your feet, and if you feel led to come and pray with these men and these women that are gathered up here at the front of this church, I want you to take a step out from where you're at right now. For some of you, that'll be a bold step. For some of you, 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 you you've done this before, so you're like, I'm going for it. 
Lord, would you just come and begin to rally around these men, these women, these young people that are here at the front of this church and minister to them in prayer today. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you for loving us. God, your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are incredible about us. We can't even begin to come close to comprehending how much you love us and how much you care for us and how, how much you, you gave to come and, and, and set us free and, and empower our lives and change us and transform and renew our minds, God. But right now, there's some men and women, there's some young people that are gathered at the front of this church. There's some that are still at their seats right now that are hungry for the truth to win out, that are, that are desperate to, to know you in the fullness of your glory, that are, that, are, that are needy, God. They need to overcome the lies of the enemy in their lives. They need to know without a doubt, God, who they are and whose they are. And right now, Lord, I believe with all of my heart that you are confirming that in their lives, in their hearts, God. And right now is the the kickoff, if you will, since we're still in football season, the kickoff for transformation, God, the starting point for renewal, God, in their minds, God. Give us your thoughts. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remove the lies that have set up and established strongholds within us, God. Let those be broken now. And Lord, we cast them down in the name of Jesus. And as Romans 16, 19 says, that the God of peace is going to soon crush Satan underneath our feet right now, God. I see that happening as people take authority in Jesus' name. God, for those that said, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior this morning who said, I, I know now that he truly loves me, that he came for me. And Lord, today, right now in this moment, they open their hearts and lives. They ask you to come in and be Lord and they give their lives to follow you, to be your disciple, to pick up their cross daily, to think God thoughts, to do God things, to live godly lives with the help of your power and Holy Spirit living in us and through us. God, we don't want it to be just business as usual today. We don't want it to be just going through emotion today. This is not just a Sunday ritual or exercise that we've grown accustomed to doing, God, because it's Sunday, God. This is life. You are life. You are truth. You are the way, God. You are everything. And so right now, Lord, we declare that over this place and outside of this room to those that may be watching right now or the days to come, God. This is a word for them as well, Lord. Freedom in Jesus. Freedom in Jesus. The power of the enemy broken in Jesus' name. And truth winning out. The transformation is going to come. There'll be no more wishy-washy, up and down, in and out, living, God. We're done with that, Lord Jesus. But right now, we commit ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our mind through Jesus Christ, our King. In the name of Jesus, we pray that together. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Would you worship with us again as these continue to do, do work with the Lord down here? Thank you for tuning into this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.